0: Uh, delighted to have joined along uh, now with us on Radio, NFL Network analytics expert, uh, and I still weekly on the Game Daisy Podcast, thank which you. is unreal. Cynthia Freeland's with us. How are you doing, Cynthia?
1: I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That's really nice.
0: Uh, how are you enjoying being in Arizona, the Super Bowl? You know, it's, it's great. Crazy.
1: It's, it, I can't, like every year it feels like it gets faster. I know we've even added a week to the season, but like, you know, week 10, I'm like, this is the slowest season ever. And then like, all of a sudden the Super Bowl here, like it was just August, five minutes ago. So, I don't know. I don't know if you feel that fastness happening too, but man,
0: yeah, absolutely. The, the, the season disappears. On it us. disappears, uh, and yet at the same time, I was getting towards that the, the bye week. Essentially, I was getting towards the end of that and going, <laughs> I'm kind of ready for the season to be over. I feel like I'm getting a bit older now. And for us in the UK, we're watching games at 1 a.m. until 5 a.m. So I mean, it's, that's uh, like a
1: real commitment. That's a, you know, like I grew up in Luxembourg, right? So okay. we used to Love we that. used to watch games in the middle of the night as well. I mean, I'm from Michigan, so we watched crappy Lions games, but whatever. That's details. But you know, like it, I, so, I was there. I, I watched a lot of watched a lot of DJ Cat. Is he still on? You remember
0: DJ Kat? Uh, Yeah, I mean that's going way back. But <laughs> are you calling me old? <laughs> I think you're
1: just out of my age. Mm, no. I'm gonna leave the interview now. <laughs> I'll you're like, I gotta, like gotta go. Back.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh, God, I don't dude. know about more this about how many people are watching day. the Detroit Lions in Luxembourg.
1: Uh, like four? <laughs> yeah. Like, and they're all living my house. Really? <laughs> yes. They all—they're all, they're all my like my sister, my mom, and my dad. Yes.
0: Also, Cynthia said she watched those games in the middle of the night. That would suggest the Lions are on prime time. <laughs>
1: hey, oh, oh, hey, oh, oh hey. Back to back insults <laughs> listen, I, I love that british humor you know gotta love it that's why you come over to our table british sensibilities <laughs>
0: you're on radio row you're being told by everyone how brilliant you are and if you need knocking down a peg or two just go and sit with the brits for five minutes the perfect there. no that, like, i
1: needed that my my head like i almost couldn't put these earphones on my head it's getting a little too big so i'm glad i'm glad I, i'm glad they start to fit again i was getting a headache <laughs> uh,
0: like, for maybe the listeners who, who don't listen on game day view who aren't aware of your work Tell us a little bit about what you do for NFL Network and about the Cynthia Freeland supercomputer.
1: Well, basically, they call me an analytics expert because saying analytics analyst can get very dicey for people. (laughs) So I'm just (laughs) an... (laughs) Exactly. So basically, I'm an analyst that uses analytics. I have background in analytics. I was a banker. I have degrees in advanced analytics. I write computer code, my own computer code. I worked with a bunch of coaches. I actually, worked at the league office a million years ago um, on season inventory restructuring, which is basically sh- how many games should there be to optimize for you know more viewership. And we came up with 17 and three. But the third preseason game should be in a neutral location to, t- to attract new fans. Um, and d- in doing so, I started working with coaches. And then Moneyball became like a thing, and people were like, "How can we do Moneyball for football?" And just started to write code around that and i've been evolving that code now since like 2009 i'm old Uh, 2009 to like really get more and more sophisticated with it so on some levels i use it for things like the draft other things to help be predictive with how games might go and what the flow of games could or couldn't be and what trends are emerging or you know what trends are stopping so that's a lot
0: all i could think about as much as all that was fascinating was do you watch arrested development
1: i you know what Yes, I do. So
0: well. when he became the first qualified analyst therapist. Yes, exactly. that, that's the gag that I was yeah. 100 yeah. percent for too long through that. So I'm glad that we cleared that up nice yes. and early. I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I do. I, I love that it's kind of constantly referenced on air as well. where It's like, OK, so I like, you know, you. you on that show with Rachel Bonetta, with, with Greg Rosenthal, and you're all giving your picks, and then it's like, so what's the computer set? I know. So what's the, you know. I know. What's what's the actual brain amongst us? You know, the right? thing that's crunching the numbers exactly. properly. How have you found it's gone this season? How is the kind of. This
1: has been an interesting season. There's been a few things that have, you know, I guess my, like, um, percentage is down compared to most seasons, but I think a lot of weird stuff has happened. This is, we do have a, a little bit of, like, the most free agents moving in, in, positions that actually play, right? So, like, quarterbacks, wide receivers. So, we had the most movement that we'd seen in any season prior. We had the most inexperienced play callers. So, people were doing just nonsensical stuff. (laughs) And that was a little wild. See Denver, Broncos. (laughs) Um, And... Both of those things were, you know, it, it just was interesting because you have, inex- you, ha- you know, just like everything else, we get better once we do more reps. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you saw as the season went on, it, it did get start to get better and more and more normalized. But in the beginning of the season, like just some wild things that were inexplicable. Some, some wild, inexplicable things. No,
0: it is true. As we went across this season, and I made a joke about the Detroit Lions earlier, but hey. you get you got to the end of this year, and it felt like a normal season because yep. uh, those stories were just week in, yep. week out. But when you actually go back and recount the fall-off from some teams, like yeah, the Rams falling apart, the yep. Lions becoming a play- playoff-worthy team and should have probably been there, like – all those, like you say, Nathaniel Hackett being a complete failure when everyone everyone was ready for the AFC West to be we all four teams the, with a winning record. Well, and, and look,
1: in reality, if the Chargers had stayed a little bit healthier, we would have been talking about the Chargers. In it, I mean, they were just so close. I mean, they made it to the playoffs, obviously, but they were so close to like putting something together, and then they just kept uh, in torn biceps here, not Keenan Allen never playing there. Like, there's just was too many things they couldn't over their defense, not. I don't even know if there was one game where their whole defense, the projected starters from week one actually played together. So that's that's really hard to overcome.
0: Who's been the biggest outlier this season for you?
1: You know, I think that Geno <sighs> Smith, probably. Mm. Um, I Obviously ahead of the season, I went to training camp up in Seattle and, you know, Look, injuries aside, right? Like, I'd rather not talk, like, because Rams injuries, whatever. Like, and that old line was nuts. But, like, you know, Geno Smith, we didn't even know if he was going to be the starter. When they did that trade, everyone was like, well, you're obviously trading for Drew Locke. Because why would you have Drew Locke come over if you didn't want Drew Locke? And then Jito Smith gets to start, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, what are they doing?" And this is a team that typically runs the—I b- mean, Pete Carroll runs the ball higher percentage rate than anyone else. So you thought it was going to be like, okay, like well, maybe this like rookie, you know, running back from Michigan State is going to be pretty good, but w- what? And then all of a sudden, Geno Smith's completing these deep passes and leading the league in deep passing touchdowns. You know, halfway through the season, it did slow up after after that. People did adjust, but I mean, I, I think that was that was a fun one.
0: It, it literally happened in Germany while we were there, in front of yeah. our eyes. Actually, we went, yes. Where, those, where have those deep shots no. gone? Like, where, like yeah. absolutely yeah. just disappeared. But
1: it, but it was a. I mean, the start to the season was pretty pretty amazing like and it was pretty fun to watch
0: which team do you think going into next season are you sort of expecting to improve the most Mm -hmm. or maybe drop off the most yeah who was the biggest outlier this season you think is going to correct it next season
1: well I'm curious to see it's going to be so to me the the best chance of seeing someone go from like worst to first or whatever I think that the NFC South is totally up for grabs Mm -hmm. with no more Tom Brady and the Saints cap situation every year seems to be like negative 60 billion Mm -hmm. trillion dollars I don't know what they're at some point they got to pay the piper right I I, is it this I, year and, and yet Derek
0: Carr's in the building at the moment and you know madness is, is that gonna fix it I don't yeah. know <laughs> well, no, I, I don't gonna really know gonna fix it but right. it's not gonna fix the cap situation right sure. I
1: like for sure <laughs> and then what are you gonna give up like wh- what are you gonna have to give up to get there anyways so uh, that whole thing is interesting to me like I think the Falcons which sounds very wild but like they had a bad roster and they were like winning five games which not a lot of games but they were in every game like they were you they didn't get like like trounced like they got they lost but they they weren't getting smoked out and they started games really strong which to me meant they had a good game plan like often when i see teams start strong those are the scripted plays those are things you practice and then if you tail off at the end it's like well you just don't have the talent or the depth
0: titans B- before uh, <laughs> <laughs> but before we say anything else Use of the word trounce there was absolutely <laughs> sensational.
1: <laughs> I had to bring something to my <laughs> British friend.
0: I, I, I'm not sure I've ever heard an American say before. It was so natural. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Shane wants
2: to use smashing as much as he possibly can <laughs> on the podcast right. on Sunday. Yeah. You know what? You
1: guys need to bring back is fixing to. You Fix. know, yeah. So like, uh, like I'm about to, or I'm going to, uh, like fixin Southerners to. say, I'm fixing to eat a piece of cantaloupe. Okay. That's what you got to say.
0: All right. <laughs> I, 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 I knew fixings is a thing. Like, nope. Like a nope. Not note, that, no, no. This that. is like, like, I'm,
1: like, it means I'm about to. You. Like, okay. I'm fixing to say hi to that guy over there or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to go do something. So you can bring that back to the U.K. You have to. It, ha- it goes both ways.
0: I love it. I'm ready. I'm, ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use that on Sunday. And Shane can use smashing. Perfect. You know? It will be yeah. perfect. Yeah. The
1: perfect exchange.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Cynthia talked to us about the game this weekend. Yeah. I'm sure that that's been ad nauseum over the last couple of days for you. But... What's we got a good one though. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable, right? It's a great game. We've got a Bengals fans sat alongside us, and during this, during this kind of last few days, I've been saying that last year it was a really intriguing matchup, yep. and it ended up being a quite fun Super Bowl. But it wasn't the teams necessarily. It wasn't the big flashes you were expecting. This year, it is big markets, great teams, yeah. great quarterbacks. Like yeah. it's, it's got all the stuff to it's be a great It's got
1: all of the like the makings of, like, a classic rivalry. Like, look, I think the interesting – there's so many storylines in this, but I think that this game, to me, is going to be one – and this is maybe not the sexiest part, but it's definitely the trenches. Because – I, I, the big men are just going to have to step up and do what the big men do. We all know the points of vulnerability. We all know that the if you, the Eagles, the, the back middle third of their defense, meaning their linebackers and coverage and their safeties, and I'm excluding C.J. Gardner Johnson whenever he plays because he's he's excluded him from that. Those are points of vulnerability, and that's a really nice place for Travis Kelsey to line up. Okay, great. Now, same thing on the other side. We know that the Chiefs deep passing, like. That stuff can be a little bit of a nightmare. So Steve Spagnuolo brings all the heat, and if they get over the head, you know, they, it, it can happen, right? So we know, you know, deep passing has been an area where they've been vulnerable. So we know, we know some things. But – it all comes down to who's going to give their quarterback just enough time. And I think, like Jarek McKinnon, those chips that I saw in that last game against the Bengals, those tiny little things that just made picking up a blitz, just even for like a half a second, made such a massive difference. And I don't, I haven't seen the Eagles running backs be able to execute that to the same level. So Chris Jones comes in there. That could be, that could be a little nuts for that. I, so I like the
0: idea of them bringing Chris Jones. Uh, we talked to his bags about this. Get him on the outside. Yeah, Get him yeah. up against those tanks. They right. were doing
1: that. They were that's lining him up all over the place.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's like a beast. Have
1: you stood next to him?
0: Un- unreal. I Absolutely think, unreal. I don't think. Like, I don't think like we've bought some big big men from the UK for this uh, this tour <laughs> this year. But yeah, <laughs> men of substantial us. carriage. Man, men of it. substantial <laughs> carriage. Yeah, that's that's how bring that to the US. Perfect. Men of substantial character. There we go. Uh, yeah, I love. I mean, you talked through those matchups there. I think the idea of Spags coming absolutely after them and leaving those rookies at the back have been great, like unreal for what they are. But also, getting to that receiving call, that terrifies me. It's that thing that you said though about giving the quarterback that extra half a second, half extra a second. second. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes is a guy who creates that for himself. Yeah. So often, so that's that's why I, for me, because you said about the trench thing, I was pick, I've been picking the Eagles all week, but. I'm on the that's other side yeah. of that. Okay, oh, re- okay. I'm okay. on the other side of that. Is that I, what the is telling that's us That's what
1: the, the supercomputer is saying, that it is the Chiefs who will win the game. No, it's... <laughs> 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 it's, it's I have the Chiefs it, for a couple of reasons. But one, if you look to see the last time that the Eagles have faced adversity, meaning had to come back from a deficit, had to overcome something. Sure, you could say when Gardner Minshew was starting, that's like something they had to overcome. But is that... Because like, that's not the... Like, of course you're... Other waiting. than in the red zone, he was fine. Like? But, 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 like, even so, like, that's still not the same. And team. they were
0: already thirteen and at twelve and 0 when he came exactly. in, exactly like, yeah. right. So,
1: like, it. not a big deal, right? So, remember that game against the Giants? They were playing the first game, week eighteen against the Giants. They were playing their like five hundredth strength people, and they didn't have any depth. They were saving all their starters. Then that, then they had a week off. Then that Giants game, they just absolutely pummeled them. And then the next game, and then we saw what happened with the Niners. Like, they haven't had to overcome any adversity. They ha- and they've been able to run the ball. You haven't seen last game. I, I tracked it. There was one deep completion by Jalen Hurts, and that was. And, and I, I'm going to put it in in air quotes because that was the Devonte Smith. Which, by the way, all credit to Smith for like turning to the 49 er side and being like, "I didn't catch it. You should throw the flag." And they were like, "What?" And he's like, "I didn't catch it. You should throw." It. And that gave him it, it was amazing gamesmanship. I, I loved everything about that. I was like, well, I watched it several times on the All 22s. So I was like, this is incredible. But long story short, like I, that, he didn't complete any deep passes, and that's going to be a difficult one if you. If they get in a hole, it's going to be difficult to, to, to come back out of it.
0: What, what sensation is sensational, sat here with Cynthia? And maybe she's flipping And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm ready for that to happen as well. But after digging her out earlier in the interview and kind of backhand insulting her three times, <laughs> as a 49ers fan, she's just taken a dagger and just <laughs> driven it directly into my heart by talking about that way. Just throw a timeout. Doesn't even have to be the flag. Just give the timeout. Has the replay? Look, Officials I picked the Niners in time. that.
1: I would have liked to. See, I think we all deserved to see that actual game. Mm-hmm. Like to, I mean, it, look, it,
0: that game falling over so early almost made it easier though, because we were we had the bro- we had the broadcast of the AFC Championship Fair. game, so I knew I had right. to go on air as the NFC Championship game was finishing, knowing that there was going to be some kind of emotional feeling there. And also, like Brock and Purdy's actually, arm like, was
1: dead. Yeah, like you could see, like it, it was. You knew he was like. I, I mean, I was kind of like, do we have to play the rest of this game? <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, th- maybe there should be some kind of you know mercy like, rule.
1: Like, hi, we're I think Kashan would have been all
0: right with it, to be honest, yeah. at that point. I anyway, so Chiefs this weekend. Week. Mm-hmm. Chiefs. You're the only person going to ask this all week. Score prediction:
1: twenty-eight to twenty-six.
0: Okay. I know that That's those funny numbers. I'm basically, like
1: it. basically, just say a high-scoring game
0: i love it mm. absolutely love it cynthia thank you so much for thank your time you for having me are you gonna be on the uh, on the build up on sunday
1: i am eight and a half hours baby
0: love it absolutely love it yep. look forward to seeing you there thank joining us now a man in the know a man who we're going to talk a bit about the super bowl but i want to pick your brains on some of the other storylines we've had going on i'm sure at honors last night you were mixing it up as well the brilliant tom pelissera is with us tom how are you doing sir Fantastic.
2: Glad to be with you.
0: Yeah, I'm delighted you're here. Are you having a fun week?
2: This is quite early the day after honors to be making it down to Radio Row. Fair play to you. Yeah, that 5.30 a.m. alarm uh, was a little early for me today and then had to, uh, my wife came out and she has a friend of hers who came out too. So I'm like fiddling around in the dark trying to get myself ready to come over here. Like don't drop anything. I hit my head on a light. It was was a wonderful way to wake up, but (laughs) that's what it takes for me to be with you, so it's worth it. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, were
0: you at honors last night? Did you get to any of the parties afterwards? we you mixing it up a bit.
2: Went, went to went to honors, um, which is always great. You know, I think that that was probably my seventh or eighth time going, and it's, you know, you can kind of become numb to it a little bit, but just think about the amount of star power in that room and just seeing people that you haven't you know talked to in a while. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a great time. You know, and I think that a lot of deserving people. You know, we're honored there. The DeMar Hamlin moment was Mm -hmm. unbelievably cool with all of his doctors on stage and him coming, you know, flying out there. Um, You know, the next question with DeMar Hamlin will be, does he play again? And there's a lot of steps before that would happen. But I would say you look at him physically and you don't think he can't. You know, it's an amazing story, just the fact that he's here at all. But, you know, obviously if you somehow got him – if he was able to make it back and play an NFL game again you know what a what a cap on the story that would be yeah
0: we have we've had two similar cases in the UK obviously we followed DeMar Hamlin very closely we had that game live and, and you know tough tough situation very difficult to watch and it was a huge story in the UK all the way through the week but we've had two in soccer we had a guy called Fabrice Mwamba who happened to back in 2012 and almost what happened with Fabrice Mwamba he survived because there was a doctor three or four rows back in the stand who knew what to do who went down and said let me on the field I basically went and saved his life and by the time I mean, you may have seen the christian erickson incident at the euros yes. by that point they then knew so much more about these kind of sudden hearts attacks that you know they had the things in place so it's phenomenal just to see that he's turned around and christian erickson's back playing football now it's it's I, I just can't even imagine that that could be possible and
2: i, and I think that a lot of credit here um, certainly goes to the NFL for the protocols that they have in place. There was so much focus on, you know, the warm-up period, where they are going to resume the game, and what happened, and people being upset. Listen, imagine if you had a coach on every team whose only job was one play that had never happened, and you kept him on staff for 20 years. What's a, what's a good uh, British word for crazy? Uh, oh, go on.
0: Oh, well, mental, yeah, but that seems a little bit too <laughs> mental. I wanted it to be. I wanted something a bit more loquacious, I wanted something a bit more, you know, with a bit more pizzazz. Uh, but we'll go with mental. I was going to
2: say, one. yeah, you, you think it's mental? Yeah. You know, the coach, what what is he doing here? He's been here twenty years. It's never happened. The NFL rehearses every year this exact scenario, and they have people. They have an airway physician. They have you know people who know CPR. They have all these things in place even though we had never seen this happen on the field. And it's for this exact reason. You know, they rehearse it, the entirety of it. For them to react the way that they did, it's not luck, it's planning. And the NFL and the NFLPA deserve a great deal of credit for committing to that and making sure that for something, again, had never taken place on the field, for the one in a million chance that that did happen, that they were ready and they literally brought Demar Hamlin back to life. I think from your perspective
0: as well as someone who works as an insider, and, and we saw this balance even on our side where, you know, there's a couple of guys that we're cover the sport regularly who are being asked questions left, right, and center about it. It's, it's trying to find that balance between, you know, a young man's life is in the balance, but the fact is it probably could have been the biggest regular season game of the season and had huge effect on the playoffs. How did you find finding that balance between, Reporting on the news, reporting on DeMar Hamlin, but also having, you know, everyone come out and be like, right, they're replaying the game. What's going to happen with the seeding? Where are they going to play the playoff games? All that stuff as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, on NFL Network, we basically did nothing but DeMar Hamlin for three days. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, absolutely kind of that tough turn of, okay, first of all, we had to make sure the games were going to happen that following week. That was the next kind of checkmark because it's toward the end of the season and there was never really any discussion about canceling additional games. The only question was, would they make up the um, Bengals and Bills game? And it just didn't. It didn't make sense, you know, just logistically. Everyone says, well, you just you close the, you know, close that bye week between the Super Bowl and the. You know how hard that is? How many different things? (laughs) Like, basically, what they had to figure out was, how do we come up with a solution that impacts the fewest people possible? And I understand the Bengals were not happy. You know, the Bengals vote against every rule change, so they are obviously going to push back against something that directly hurt them. Uh, But, you know, they had to find the path forward, and so not replaying that game. I mean, how would you have made everyone go back, the players go back, and resume the game, like, you know, the next day or six days later? You know, it seemed unfair to people involved. You kind of had to move forward. And, you know, I I don't know what would have happened if Tamar Hamlin never wakes up. I honestly don't know. Because the NFL stops for nothing. Mm -hmm. The NFL stopped that night. And that shows you how greatly that impacted everybody involved. If Tamar Hamlin, God forbid, does not wake up, if he passes away, if he never is able to jog up on stage and and talk and be the, hey – What a great story. If it's the absolute biggest tragedy in NFL history, I don't know what would have happened. Honestly, I can't even speculate on it. I don't think that the season would have been canceled, but I don't know when it would have resumed. There would have been a lot of complicated things um, that would have gone into that. And so, yeah, I mean, you're always... Listen, we deal with a lot of complicated stories on TV. You know, totally different scenario, but the Deshaun Watson situation where we're talking about the biggest contract and the biggest trade and also serious allegations of sexual misconduct and you're trying to strike that balance as you said of everything to you know be able to tell the story we got to deal with reality you know that's one thing that I always I always have in the back of my head is like we can't play pretend we can't ignore stories or not touch on aspects of stories because they're uncomfortable all I can do is stick with the facts here are the facts COVID's another situation there were a lot of different opinions on COVID protocols on vaccines on everything else all I can tell you is here's what the NFL is doing. I'm not telling you what I think about it. I'm not telling you what you should think about it. I'm just saying this is the protocol that the Union League came up with, and if you don't follow the protocol, there's consequences. We, we deal in those things all the time, but I, I would say nothing nothing like literally seeing a player die on the field and come back to life. I mean, I, I had to, you know, talk to my daughter about it. I watch a lot of football when I'm at home. So especially a lot of Monday night games and stuff with my my 8-year-old, She's I had to explain to her, like, what happened to Maura Hamlin. She's like, can I see a picture of him? You know, and that just... Whew, that is... I still remember that. Like, I'm choking up, like, thinking about it. I was just like, man, like, how, how would you explain that? Your dad covers a sport and someone died on the field, even though it wasn't a football injury. You know, it was he made a tackle. It wasn't like a violent tackle. He just... You know, I no. They don't know. They don't know what happened. No. You know, and it's still, it's, it's. Thank God he's alive. That's all I can say.
0: I fully didn't expect to go in this direction, but <laughs> absolutely fascinating. Thank you for your thoughts and for sharing the, your personal story as well. I think we all had a story like that, and something that the way in which it affected us. I, I wonder for you, what, what going into this off season, like you said about the Bengals voting against rule changes, and there'll be all sorts around that, I'm sure as well. But what's the storyline? What's the NFL? we all know how this works we have the Super Bowl on Sunday we have the press conference on Monday morning and then it's go it's the draft it's the combine it's the we are uh, it's free agency it's you know 24-7, right. 24/7. for us so, it
2: begins with eight and a half hours of uh, pregame coverage <laughs> on NFL <laughs> Network and uh, me Ian Ravport, Mike Garofolo will be on the field on our set doing news all morning I, I made a list before I came here just thinking in my head okay what are the top stories in this off season? And the list had 43 things on it. And, you know, we're not going to get to 43 on Sunday. But over the next six, eight weeks, you know, through free agency and everything, we we are going to get there. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers' future. It's Lamar Jackson's future. It's, you know, where does Jimmy Garoppolo end up? Do, do you remember an offseason where the quarterback, I remember two offseasons ago we were looking at,
0: Twenty-eight of thirty-two teams probably had a starting quarterback settled. This year, it might be less than sixteen if, if Lamar and Aaron I and things happen. Like that's I, mean, right. I don't remember it ever year, being like. Well, that. last year,
2: <laughs> last year there was last year Russell Wilson got traded, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. I'm missing some, too. There were other trades beyond that. But there, there was a ton of movement last year. And even situations like Aaron Rodgers that ended up playing out in a way where he re-signed. And it's okay. Contract finished his career there. And what are we talking about now? Aaron Rodgers going into the darkness for four days. And what hallucinations will come to him to help him you know, decide where he's going to play football next year? Um, but you're absolutely right. And there's, not, there's maybe a dozen teams that you're like, okay, 100%. They've got the quarterback position handled. And there's no questions about it. Like, even situations like Baltimore, mm-hmm. they've got a quarterback who's won an MVP, but he's not signed. And the contract negotiations are very different right now. He doesn't have an agent. His mom's his advisor. He wants a fully guaranteed deal. Doesn't have the leverage to get it. You know, it's complicated. So... I think those are going to be the driving storylines. We still got two head coaching openings, still, which, which
0: is, is amazing. Come Super Bowl week, right? yeah,
2: you're telling me it's killing me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I would anticipate those are going to. There's going to be some momentum on those here in the coming days. You know, the rules were different this year. The coaching searches played out differently because mm-hmm. they've enhanced the Rooney Rule, which they think delaying the process will have a positive impact on equity and hiring. My personal opinion, not speaking on behalf of the league, but I think that a lot of the restrictions in place are counterproductive in a lot of ways. Um, you end up with, you know, teams are interviewing a lot of people. That is That part of it's effective. But just whether you can do them, you know, the new cadence on Zoom versus in person and the fact that the, the guys who had buys, which are the two teams here, the two teams here had buys. That used to be an advantage for coaching candidates because you could meet. Teams would fly to you on a Friday or Saturday the week before the game on your buy, and you'd interview for the job, and you got a head start. This year, if you had a buy, you couldn't interview in person. You could only do a Zoom. So those guys actually got set behind. And then if you're a team like the Cardinals that hired a GM first, they haven't been able to talk to these guys at all. So if the Cardinals are laying in wait for Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen, they've done a lot of work on those guys, or Eric B. Enemy, they haven't even been able to talk to them. The as soonest as they can do that is Monday. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot still to uh, to solve here. Normally with my uh, the week after the Super Bowl is my week that I get to, like, yeah, not, I just not do TV. Still working, but not do TV. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to take place this coming week. No, I do. I remember
0: when we were getting to Dallas, San Francisco in the uh, in the divisional round, and you had D'Amico, Ryan, Quinn, all of them going out and doing head coaching interviews on like Thursday, Friday, right. where you're preparing for one of the most high-powered offences in the league on the other side of things is madness. But, Tom, look, thanks so much for your time. You mentioned eight and a half hours on Sunday. Good luck for that. Enjoy. People back in the UK, you can watch that on Game Pass before, of course, at 11 o'clock, switching on our coverage. Uh, Really appreciate it. Or not. Thank you. (laughs) Definitely watch these
2: guys. (laughs)